Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. My name is Hari Kulsa, and welcome to the Healthcare Whisperer Radio Show. I'm your host. I am a nurse practitioner, patient advocate, and president of Healthcare Whisperer. Healthcare Whisperer is a patient advocacy and navigation company. I can be found at Twitter at H-A-R-I-K-1-0-8, on Facebook at Hari Kulsa or Healthcare Whisperer. Of course, you're all going to you know, go to Facebook and like my page. And you can also find me at LinkedIn at, uh, healthcare, at Hari Kulsa. You know, I started this show to provide information for tips on how to successfully navigate the healthcare system. And I always find and have found with this show the best way is to have people who can tell their stories, their successes, what worked and didn't work. Um, because as we know, it can be so difficult when you're, you know, when you're trying to get through the system and you just hit a wall. So I've been off air for a little bit because I've been moving my 89-year-old mother from Rhode Island to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it was quite a scene. And I'm going to talk, it's quite an experience, actually, and I'm going to talk about that at, at the end of the show after my guest is done. And, uh, um... One of the things that I wanted to mention in the show is that since my last show, there was a death of all the firefighters. And I oh, I want to send my prayers and my love to the families of those firefighters who sacrificed their lives in protection of homes and doing such service. So my heart goes out to all of you. Um, I also wanted to let everybody know that uh, I am doing a day-long conference <clears throat> um, in Austin, Texas, on October 19th from 8.30 to 3. It's going to be held in the Ronald McDonald House, which is very close to the in the Dell Hospital Complex, for those of you who know Austin or if you want to come. Uh, the topic is going to be uh, the patient advocate being a voice for patients to provide health care solutions. And this conference is about why advocates are so needed in this changing health care landscape. And uh, I'm also uh, donating all the fees to You Are Our Hope, a nonprofit uh, that helps people of all uh, ages with rare and undiagnosed illness. They help find, they they really work on finding solutions. For more information, you can go to my site at www.healthcarewhisperer.com or you are our hope, O-U-R hope, and go, uh, and go to their event page and you can find out all the information you want. So I really look forward if you want to come. It would be great to have you there. And Austin is such a great town, and there's no football games that day, so it won't be crazy in Austin. So today's show is is going to be very special. I'm really excited about it. We are going to be talking about the ins and outs of hiring advocates. And that can also be very daunting because it's a fairly new field, and you don't really know what questions to ask. Um, my guest today is Anne Llewellyn, and I hope I said that right. <laughs> uh, she's the editor-in-chief of uh, Dorland Health. Uh, she has <clears throat> uh, she brings over 35 years of expertise as a registered nurse, patient advocate, and educator. And she's here to talk to us about 
about just her work, which is phenomenal, and uh, the ins and outs, because this is her area. Uh, she's also going to talk about Dor- Dorlin Health, uh, which is a great organization that provides great magazines and other services. Uh, uh, now, listen, everybody, please call in. Uh, the number is 805-830-8363. And uh, please call with any questions that you might have or comments. You know, if you're an advocate out there listening, please call in. So um, I'm going to bring it without further hurry chatter, I'd like to bring Ann on. And hi, Ann. Hi, Harry. How are you? Good. How you, you're, you're doing well today, I hope. Everything's good, yep. it's uh, Finally, we have sun and no rain in South Florida, so it's a nice day. Oh, wow. So we have rain and no sun in Massachusetts. <laughs> okay. There we go. There, That's how it starts. Yeah, I know. The summer's been crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, you know, I want to thank you. I know you're really busy, and it's taken us a bit to organize this, but I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, thank you. And I think we met, I remember emailing you one time, because I really love the name of your company. I think Health, <laughs> Health Whisperer is is so pertinent to today, uh, just that we are in such a changing time in healthcare, and everybody really is trying to find their way from the consumer all the way down to the physician, nurses. Everybody really is trying to... Re- revamp how we how we work in the healthcare system, and that little whisper to help people <laughs> better understand that is is important. I always like that. Well, good. I, I thank you. I appreciate that. Um, sometimes I don't whisper so much, though. <laughs> so, so, but you know, that's how healthcare is. And you know, I'm going to get back to that comment you made about how everybody's role is changing because that's really profound and it is really true what's happening. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to where you are now? Because that always is intriguing and wonderful to hear about people, how they got to it. Well, as uh, you said in the introduction, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for over 35 years. And um, this has been a really exciting career for me because it's opened up many doors. I began as a floor nurse, went into intensive care, then emergency department nursing, and then from there I went into risk management, learned about that, and really opened my eyes to uh, what happens when injuries or problems happen within the healthcare system, and you know how to um, to really find the, why it's so important to find out things early because memories dim and being able to um, recount the circumstances really helps, and as well as documentation, very important to have that. So from there I went into case management, which really brought everything together in nursing for me because, as I said, I worked in an emergency room where we saw gunshots, we saw people who fell, you know, spinal cord injuries, head injuries, and often wondered what happened happened to those people who were severely injured and case management really helped me close that loop because I then was working with people who were catastrophic, who had a head injury, who had a spinal cord injury and it really showed me that if we could really coordinate care for people, we could help them get better, we could save on costs, we could get them in the right place 
to the right setting at the right time. And being a case manager allowed me to do that, and um, and that was just an invaluable experience. So from there, I actually moved into education. I had an education company um, uh-huh. that we did continuing education programs for physicians, nurses, social workers, pharmacists, with the goal of educating everybody because once we all get out of our respective training programs, we work together. And that was our goal in the education company, to really bring education to the whole team because we all have to work together to treat that patient. So that that was a great experience, and I did that for 14 years, and then I moved into the this publishing role as an editor-in-chief. And from there, worked, and um, part of what our company does is we have a patient advocate institute. So that's how I really entered into this world of patient advocacy. And it's and it's been very interesting and exciting, and I think something that's time has come, again, because right, of the complexity right. of the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So let me, um, I think it's really interesting, the path that you took, because you really did touch on so many aspects of um, healthcare that are vital to understanding the role of a patient advocate. I mean, case management, you know, you said that you really were able to help people, you know, I mean, your goal was one of the things you say, save on costs, find the right situation. You know, that isn't, how is that received? Because it seems like you did that, that you must have been early on in case management because a lot of times you, people just moving people out of the hospital, you know. So it seems like you had a different take on what your role was with that, which was, sounds like it was like you were kind of like the first patient advocate out there. It was. Doing that. It was early. It was in 1988, and patient. Av- I mean, uh, case management was really being recognized, uh-huh. and they. Um, and I was in the area of uh, catastrophic case management, so we were uh-huh. called in at the first uh, point of injury. Usually uh-huh. we were called in very early um, and and really able to work with that patient and the family to help them. And it is, it is a part of patient advocacy. And I think case management, as you're right, it has changed over the years. But there are still people who are doing, independ- who are doing catastrophic case management, get very uh-huh. involved with patients that have cr- uh, catastrophic injuries. So... Yeah, yeah, and that's a big one. I well, that's one of my my real specialties. I love doing is brain and well, you know, taking working with brain injury because it it needs to be so specific, and you really need to have a real compassion for that work. Yeah. Um, so, so the other thing that caught my interest, you know, and I'm sorry to harp on this, but it's so fascinating the the path you've taken. Um, the in your education business, you were trying to link the team, which again was a fairly new concept because yeah. you know. So how was that received? I mean, it's still a hard sell sometimes. In this well, you know, it was interesting. I I remember one time we had um, a program and we used to do evaluations and we because we we. Um, develop programs for physicians all the way, you know, through all the different members, nurses, case managers, social workers. The nurses, it was interesting because we would have to have a lot of um, data and statistics and research in the program. And right. um, the, the, doc- the doctors liked it, and we were very objective. And I remember one doctor telling us that he couldn't even tell that this was a sponsored program because it was so objective. He He thought that was good. But on the, the other side, the nurses, sometimes nurses 
felt that it was too much statistics, too much data, and they wanted <laughs> more of the they wanted more of the hands-on information. So it was. I think everybody comes at healthcare from a different point of view. The physician really does like data. And that's how they make their decisions. And then the nurse, the case manager, the social worker really is in there for the patient. The the issues surrounding what what impacts a patient and how we're going to remove some of those barriers. So we had to kind of balance our programs mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to really meet all the different needs. Right. Well, that must have been great. I mean, that it's. It's something so we can't get enough of that learning how to be a team. And I mean, I know there's such a push now in healthcare for the team, the team with the accountable care organizations coming about, and the different you know ways to approach care with the Medicare changes and everything. But I still see. I mean, I, I, I when I have sometimes when I have to call doctors or you know clinics, it's like yeah, we're the team concept is like, well, I don't want to talk to that specialist. You know, I'm, I remember I was trying to have this, get this conference call put together with different specialists on this one very complex patient, which was the request of the of the cardiac surgeon to ha- have me set that up, and I couldn't get the spe- No, no, I don't need to do that. I'm like, no, no, you do need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's an ongoing really, issue. And that's why sometimes, especially if somebody has a member of their family in the hospital. They might hear a lot of these things, um, you know, team-based care, patient-centered care. And yeah. if they're not having a good experience in the hospital, then they might wonder, where is all that? And everybody talks about it, but it really isn't in practice. So I think that's that's part of uh, we're still in the learning stages, although healthcare has been around for a long time. We are still learning how to practice together and, and more importantly, include the patient in in their care because it is the patient really is the center of this whole whole scheme here, and and keep putting the patient in the middle and keeping the patient there, listening to them, is something that we as a we and I'll include myself in the healthcare team still are really learning how to do. Right, right. It's. Um it, it is a it is the essence, and it's you know when I hear that in hospitals, um, you know this is all you know our philosophy is it's patient centered, and I say well can we have the medical records? Um, well I don't know if you can get them when they're in the hospital. You know you you get yeah. well no if this is if this is patient centered let's really look at it. So yes yeah, so you're 100 percent correct that that it's still an ev- evolving, and you know that's good because we can help it, help it to evolve. So in your business, it seems to me that all this, all this that you have walked through, all this path, this experience has brought you to this place. It's really a platform as editor-in-chief to really get, continue to get that data out, to mm-hmm. continue to get that information out to people, to both, you know, to all the healthcare uh, uh, different areas. Is, is that is that how you see it, or? Oh yeah, definitely. We really do reach the care we call it the care continuum so from birth really pre-birth when you work with people who are are pregnant and having complications all the way to death so we do spend that whole continuum and then all the different professionals who work with people along the lifespan to address their health care needs and their and their wellness issues so it really is diverse, and that's what I like about it. Um, 
we're we're lucky we have 12 issues a year of our magazine and I can focus on different topics every month and it really helps us be able to tap into people who are really doing best practices and share that information so others who might be struggling can read read the information and learn from it and um and that's that's what I like best about my job right now so what kind of topics um I mean this is fascinating what kind of topics well, like just just for instance, our um, the August issue where that's in production right now is going to focus on um, health and wellness. So we have a lot of different articles uh, in there about, and we have two articles in particular of how the healthcare, how two healthcare professionals really took control over their own lives. We're not in good shape, but really took the time to. Focus, find out what some of the barriers were to them to get to be healthy. One person was very overweight, and she really has started on a whole journey just to be in touch with the inner voice in herself that that has been preventing her from getting healthy. And then also just different alternative medicine type uh, things like massage and um, Reiki. We have two articles on that. And then um, just what what employers are doing from a wellness standpoint, looking at the older population, which is growing, and and helping people to look at prevention, look at ways to prevent chronic conditions that will give them a better quality of life in the long run. So that issue is really it's it's coming along. I think we got some we have some good articles in September. We'll look at care coordination. We're going to look at health information technology and how it's impacting patient engagement. Um, January. Oh, that'll be a great one. That yeah. that's, that's coming up. Wow, that, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. We're going to look at quality and safety, and then January for 2014, we we look at behavioral health or mental health, and where mental health fits into all of this. You know, when you talk about a patient, you have to look at their at the holistic, um, in a holistic manner, and mental health, physical health, spiritual health, all the different things go together mm-hmm. to make up a person and we can't forget about that. It isn't just mm-hmm. the health, it isn't just the medical part. Sometimes mm-hmm. the medical part might be fine, but it's the social issues or the economic issues that are that are barriers to someone and helping to understand that and address it, find resources, that's that's what the role is that we play. Mhm. So do you get good responses from uh from your magazine? Um, sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. It's funny. Um, more when we see people at conferences, people tell us they read the magazine and they like it. Um, you know, this magazine does have continuing education credits, so we do mm-hmm. look at the evaluations, and they're pretty. Pr- they're good, and it just shows us that I think we're on target with what we're doing. So. Mm-hmm. No, these are great co- topics. I mean. Um, it's such a buzz now with the, the health technology. I mean, I, I get a lot of, read a lot of the blogs and get a lot of emails. You know, and Health 2.0, that group is, that's their focus, is healthcare technology. And it's it's, it's fascinating to me, all the issues that are coming up around us. So I, I look forward to that issue because there's so much, so much out there, and there's so much chatter about what can work, what is working, what won't work, what what needs to work. You know, so it's it's very exciting. Um, so 
your company they do um Dorland Health it it does magazines does it do uh, you said you also um yeah, we do uh, events. We have conferences, and um, uh-huh. we have a, a few major conferences that are coming up. We um, are having a measurement conference where we're going to look how uh, different organizations and pe- professionals are using data to improve quality, clinical care oh, wow. quality, and process improvement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, now that all that is tied to reimbursement, organizations, hospitals, providers are really looking at how they can use data from their own practices to, again, identify barriers, how to how to close those barriers, because that will improve the care that people get. And, and that is all being tied to reimbursement. So, so learning how to use that effectively is important. Um, then we'll have our Care Coordination Summit, and that looks at the trends and the issues. Uh, taking place in the area of care coordination, and we'll have that in May of 2014. And we have our patient advocate conference um, December um, 5th and 6th, and that will be in Orlando. And this year we've expanded it to three tracks where we'll look at the independent track, the hospital track, and a managed care track. So we're looking forward to that. Oh, that's that's great. So let's let's get on to this topic of patient advocacy because – uh, when you talk about the three tracks, some people listening may not understand what that is, but we'll get to that. So, sure. so, so tell me, um, you actually have, you said you have an institution. How, how did the organization itself decide that it wanted to pursue this idea of patient advocacy? Well, it's interesting. Our um, vice president at the time's mother was in the hospital, and um or she was Diane was very you know she's young she has her own children and she has her parents and her mother had been sick for for a few months and was in the hospital and she was she had to take the day off and go to the hospital to talk to the doctor and you know thought he was supposed to be there at a certain time but he didn't come so she was waiting <laughs> and reading reading the newspaper as we all have at one time or another <laughs> And I um, was reading an article in the New York Times about patient advocacy, and she asked her mother, Mom, do you know what patient advocacy is? And her mother's like, what? She didn't know. She never heard of it. But as uh-huh. she read, and Diane had the experience of this of working in this case management world, and, um, you know, because we had the magazine. So she she thought that it was similar, but there was something distinct. But her, her point was, how do you find a patient advocate? Uh, and it's like finding a needle in a haystack because, again, yeah, there's right. so many broad people out there. And what would they do? Who are they? What are their qualifications? What are what are uh-huh. how much do they cost? So she brought this back to our team, and we had to do a lot of research to learn about what patient advocacy was and how did it differ from what case managers were doing and what were maybe some of the similarities and would this be a good fit for our group. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we came back, we thought it was. We The people who we talked to, different people like from Sarah Lawrence College, the people from NAHAC, all the different groups that are out there. And we thought there is a need and there is a need for people, first of all, the consumer to know about what patient advocacy is, but then also to have on the other side have people, professionals, who 
wanted to be inpatient advocacy, and then we thought those two would, would come together. So we started the Institute in 2010 to really just uh, highlight who patient advocates were and what this emerging field was, and we developed a training program. Now, we focus, there are people who have training programs that are nine months long, a year right. long, and, and therefore sometimes for people who want to get into this field who might not have a lot of health experience, our training program is more of an introduction to what patient advocacy is for professionals, for nurses who want who maybe are ready to move from the bedside or social workers who are ready to, you know, move into independent practice. So we focus on the more experienced professional and uh, develop, and give them that introduction into the field and more about marketing, how they would market themselves, how they would get the word out, because most healthcare professionals are not savvy in the marketing area. So That's we give true. them, and we we on our website have resources and tips that they that they can tap into as they're starting to explore this in their own communities because, um, you know, working within their own communities, there's needs. So helping them identify where those are, where people might be interested, employer groups, you know, different organizations, churches, all the different areas where might find a need for a patient advocate so they can share their information and share what they can do so they can get the word out. So, two questions. Um, did Diane find an advocate? <laughs> yes, you know, she did. Um, <laughs> but then her, which I know happens a lot of times, her family together as a group decided that they could handle things themselves. Oh, so right, right, right. <laughs> they didn't actually pay for one, but they did, you know, get the insight from several different people and help them, and then, unfortunately, her mom passed, so um, the need wasn't there. So, So how do you at your, at Dorland Health, define patient advocates? Well, we look at patient advocates as the professional who can be, um, who can assist a patient, a consumer, a family member uh, with, with, uh, navigating the healthcare system with meeting, finding out what the issues are that might be impacting them at that time, and helping them, you know, find solutions to their to their problems. It could be in a in a preparation stage to help. Maybe you're caring for an older adult, and you know, eventually they might need to be in a skilled care facility or some type of other residential center and helping them to start to look for that so they're prepared. So when an emergency happens or an incident happens, it's not an emergency. It's more of a planned process. Um, Helping that, uh, looking at some life events, um, changing life events where you maybe have a new hospitalization, you're diagnosed with a new chronic new condition, you have a catastrophic accident, Um, you know, helping people understand get information on the disease in conjunction with the doctor. I don't think we're trying to take away from what the physician can do. But, again, work in conjunction with the physician and and just help explain and, you know, clarify things as people go through. Sometimes finding experts, finding centers of excellence where people can get treatment, an advocate can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say that we're good translators. 
that's translator, part of our role. Right. And connecting dots. Yeah. And um, you know, sometimes um, you know, I think people, the con- average consumer, can start to think about a patient advocate as they do a financial planner. You know, most people aren't, you know, well versed in healthcare, and it's and it can be very intimidating. Just as if you want to venture into the stock market, you know, you can learn it, but it's very, it can be dangerous and it can be right. you know, scary. <laughs> so having an advocate to help you navigate the healthcare system, you know, makes sense, especially with a complex or chronic condition that that could use some education and empowerment to help people again regain that control over their lives. Right, at a time when they feel they have no control. You know, exactly. that's what I always see. It gives them that moment of peace. You know, I, I always t- tell people, let me do the, let me take care of the stress here. I'll stress about yeah. getting things done. You guys just focus on getting better or doing, you know, hanging out with your family. Right. You because know, cause, um, it doesn't, I mean, sometimes we get stressed from, you know, navigating, but, you know, we know what we're looking at. We know what mm-hmm. the options are and. We know what we're looking for, yeah, and and really to take the time to listen to the patient and encourage them to make their wishes clear. Sometimes in healthcare, you know, everybody's into the diagnosis and the treatment, but we never really take the time to listen to the person, what's important to them, what what do they want to happen, and, and they need the information that the physician can give, that other professionals can provide, but they also need help with interpreting it and what does it mean to them and to their goals. And I think a patient advocate can do that. Right. They can um, – sometimes what I love to do when I'm with uh, clients or and where, it's, say, the doctors come in, I, what I like to do is slow down the talk. You know, uh, okay, could you just slow it down? I don't say it like that, but sometimes doctors forget, or residents, particularly in hospitals, forget that they're talking really fast and they're talking, saying words that people don't understand. And mm-hmm. when you're ill, you're just going, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, you know, you need someone to say, no, here's your options. Here's what you, 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 you know, that's what I tell people is that the most important thing is an informed decision. So here's your options. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's important as a patient advocate. So is that the kind of so so moving on here, um, you know what? How would somebody go about hiring an advocate? I mean, that's something that you wanted to. T- oh, we have a caller. Um, uh, let me see what the call. A caller has a question. Let me um, okay. bring the caller on. Hello, hello, caller. <laughs> Hari? Hello? Yes, hi. Ha- Who is ha- this? Hari, it's Ida. Oh, hi, Ida. You're on with Anne. Um, hi, Anne. Are you know- hi, how are you? Anne, you and I spoke uh, about two year- a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. I have a health care business, and I'm one of the... F- can you hear me, Hari? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear. We're good. We're good. Okay. Go one of the earliest uh, health care advocacy... Um, one of the earliest advocacy um, private businesses, along with Hari, we started our business, oh, probably simultaneously. I think from a consumer point of view, the thing that I worry about um, 
is that as you uh, your description of all the different needs that people might have in their life, um, people need, consumers need to understand that advocates come to the table with different levels of education and expertise in the healthcare system, and not one advocate in and of the, herself or himself can fulfill those needs. Just navigating the world of Medicare or critical care medicine are two separate, distinct entities onto themselves. Exactly. And, and I think that, yeah. you know, these small, uh, short programs for certification programs can be very misleading to the person taking the class if they think they may be ready to go out and just take on the world of helping people as well as the, the potential consumer. I agree. I think, you know, people need to look and see what their area of expertise is. It might be in the billing area, like you said, Medicare. It could be in disability management, behavioral health. There's a lot. And I think by no means is a short course qualify people to do the work. It, it gives them the introduction into it, and then they can... And you know, investigate additional yeah. opportunities. We had a lot of calls that help champion people who've just come out of different programs wanting to get started. Um, and you know, my business partner and I, I know Hari does this well. We spend a lot of time talking to these individuals, and once they get a sense of what the real day-to-day caseload is, very often they like back. You know, they say, "Whoa, maybe this is not really what I." Um, Got into. You know, every, most people who get into the healing arts are there because they have this strong desire and need, I think, to help people. Exactly. And certainly right. with people getting into the advocacy role there, there is, um, you know, that real strong stimulus. Unfortunately, uh, healthcare today, as you said, is so complex and so driven by rules and regulations that you're spending less time with your potentially uh, on client issues such as as you pointed out earlier, perhaps the spiritual prevention, really clinical education, and more on how do we get from A to Z. Mm-hmm. So, Anne, what, Anne, as Anne was saying, that their program is more an introduction, right? I mean, your your program is to say, here it is. Here's what here's what's out there, right? Right. I mean, that's well, what, here's that's the sort oper- of what, here's here's this emerging practice. I think it's an emerging practice that really, you know is because of our aging population and numbers of people with chronic illness, more and more people need help with their health care. Plus, people are paying for more for their health care, and they want to be, like you said, a more informed consumer to understand where to spend those dollars and what, what will that mean for them. Again, someone who is older, do they want to go through an aggressive treatment or are they, you know, maybe ready for palliative care? And the patient advocate sometimes won't, you know, can ask the questions just so people start to think about bigger things, um, you know, more about what yeah, is important to them. Yeah, I think, but even that, don't you think that requires a certain skill set? Oh, definitely. definitely. You know, if, you ha- if you've never dealt with cancer patients and you've got a patient who wants to navigate the world of prostate cancer, let's say, Unless you know, you've had the experience or have the ability to research and prepare, you might not even know what questions to ask the the surgeon right. or the oncologist. And now you're taking time, and your time hopefully, you know, is billable hours. I mean, this for most people is a business still. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the advocates, I think, still want to be able to charge for their services at some point and try to make a living out of this. Um, I just think from where I, I think the 
this young profession, this young industry would be better served if um, industry leaders got together and started to identify, a, I think, a uh, core curriculum and a set of standards for all the programs, and that people uh, in the in the field would then have a one or two certification maybe pr- tracks available to them. Because I think the public is just going to get confused. And it's well, there, be, is, there is a core group of people. There is a, there is a core group that's in, that has started to work on that. And, um, I know. I'm, I'm close to that, but even that core group is not an inclusive group. Well, that, uh, and that's part of well, the issue, I think. So, yeah, so part so and what 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 well what about this group it's 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 looking it's it's evolving into this it's is that that what's happening oh uh, yeah that, um, it's a it, there's a it's called a steering committee right now it's uh, advocate credential advocatecredentialing.com and if anybody's interested they can put their email address into that website and be updated on information there's a there's a steering committee who is made up of nine people and that is the exact goal of what our goal is is to look at this field what is the education maybe you know what are the core concepts of patient advocacy the qualifications and different things like that so more important i think than the steering committee is going to be the subject matter experts and i would re- hopefully recommend that both of you or anybody listening puts their name into that because that's where we're going to draw the information from, from the subject matter experts who are, again, in the field working to in this in this field and, you know, gather information. We do want it to be inclusive. I think that's an important piece. If it isn't inclusive, it's not going to really mean anything, you know. So I'm um, hoping, you know. I just think about the world of nursing, you know, I'm, I am not a youngster. Um, when I got out of nursing school, the whole, was it BSN to practice, LPN, you know, we're still fighting that, that battle. Well, um, yep, and I've been, we've all 30 been years there. later, and I'm, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and it that's is. because people didn't take the long view. Everybody was very short-sighted, and right. consumers are, I think, the public is still confused about all the, titles that come after an RN's name. What does that mean? You're certified? I mean, I don't think we're really being, um, I don't think we're helping in many ways by creating all these different pathways. It's just a personal opinion. Mm-hmm. So that's good, Ida, that, you, that we all have our personal opinions. And um, uh, but what? Let's 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 focus back, and and you can let's let's look at how, you know the to- topic is hiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how does someone go about hiring an advocate? I mean, now in in, in time and space, right now, you know, I mean, with, with where yeah. we are in the evolution of advocates, you know, you have a lot of experience on the ground, Ida, and Anne, you have a lot of experience watching the process. So, mm-hmm. so well, there are uh, many advocates do, like you um, talked about in the opening, have websites, and today with the internet, people Google patient advocate or advocate, health expert, different things, and, and they can come up with people again. But I think, as as you both said, we really, the consumer needs to know more about what an advocate can do for them because, again, it can be expensive. They don't want to get into pay for something that isn't going to help them. So, again, advocates are starting to learn how to, 
put on uh, put out their information on who they are, what they what areas they focus on, and you know ha- maybe do that initial assessment to find out if they are the best person to help that help that person. It is difficult because um, today it's you know the web's there, but a lot anybody right now today could put a shingle out and say they're a patient advocate. So finding out what somebody's training is, what their expertise is, um, what their years of experience are, and uh, you know what they're standing in the community. I would ask for references if I was going to hire an advocate and talk to some people. A lot of um, advocates put testimonials on their website. Again, it's a testimonial, but many times they're true. So. Just different ways. There's many. There's a few different organizations that people can go on and do a search for an advocate, like from members for NAC, National Association of um, Healthcare Consumer Advocates, has the members of that organization listed. So they could go on and do like a geographic search to mm-hmm. find out if there's somebody in their area who is an advocate. Uh, the geriatric care managers, uh, they have a website with that you can do a search on and that's a good way because there are professional organizations that have people who have, you know, joined and who participate as a professional in this organization. So that's a step of I think a step of credibility. We have people who are who are past our our certificate program are listed on our website, so again, people could go into the Professional Patient Advocate Institute and do a search. It says find an advocate, and that's what they can find if there's a person in their area. Also, word of mouth, if somebody has used an advocate in the past, was it helpful? Who was it? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. most, I think everybody has the experience. You call one person, then you can get a reference for another person, and sometimes the list can build up depending on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. So um so is there anything like when you're I mean uh I think all these things are great. One thing I think Ida was trying to bring up is that, you know, what what are you really looking at when you go for an advocate? You know, what, you know, so, you know, it's like when you go to anything, they may have credentials or whatever or it seems, you know, but what is it you are really looking for in an yeah, advocate? I I, I, I mean, think somebody you know, who will just, take somebody who will take the time to listen, who will yeah. try to find out what is important for the person, not mm-hmm. all about them. And then the mm-hmm. other thing is, if, if again, if they have the experience, you know, it might be a billing advocate that you're looking for, someone to help with payment, with billing, and you have a you have a bag full of bills, and you collect right, agencies right, right. are starting to call. <laughs> and and if somebody called me as a billing, I, I wouldn't be able to do that because that's not my area of expertise. But I might know people who are billing advocates, and who could recommend them to someone. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I think, you know, again, taking the time to listen. A lot of advocates do a brief assessment at no charge to see if it is a good fit for them as well for the consumer. Um, uh-huh. And that's, uh-huh. that's an important thing to take that step. 
So essentially a person who is calling for an advocate almost needs to interview that person too because they need to have an idea that they're going to be able to help them with. Like, for instance, we'll take billing. Well, if they don't do any, you know, if they haven't done billing, well, they're not going to help them. You know, so right. I think that's an important point that there are different areas and people are better at um, different areas of advocacy. And before, you know, we're sort of getting to the end here, because um, I, I – need to do something towards the end. Um, uh, there is a difference, and I, you know, with the health care advocate or an ad- hospital advocate, you know, I'm always, you know, I always, people say, well, there's an advocacy department. And I'm like, well, yeah, but sometimes, you know, they're more focused on the hospital. I mean, sometimes they're not. You know, they're focused right. on the hospital. So, you know, we mentioned earlier the hospital-based advocate, the independent advocate, and the HO, what was it, the managed care advocate. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that what I always tell people, and you can comment on this, is, you know, you have to realize that they work for someone. The difference with a private advocate is that they don't, they work independently. For the consumer, yeah. For the consumer, yeah. And I think that's a big difference. It is. Is, is, it, is that what you were talking Because you mentioned that earlier on, that you were going to talk about that at the next conference. Yeah. Um, well, we have the three trucks because there are people who are independent advocates. We're trying to make, again, it inclusive and really helping people to work together because there is a hospital advocate. They need to understand who the independent advocate is. And so we don't have, again everybody's in silos and that doesn't help the person so helping people to know who the different what the different areas are a lot of managed care companies although that's the payer are looking at patient advocates um, because they know that they have to meet the needs of the member and they might have dedicated people who when somebody's discharged they follow that person and they if anything comes up, they're able to call somebody. There's a lot of choices out there for people today. And, mm-hmm. you know, a patient advocate is one of them, an independent advocate who strictly works for the person. And that is becoming more popular, again, because people want to have a say in their health care. They want to have a say in the treatment that's done to them, and they want to mm-hmm. understand it. And so that's where that independent patient advocate comes in to be able to um to make help those that need be met. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I I I think it's it's so valuable what what we've been talking about. Um and I think, you know, you're sort of you're you're plodding along here and it's an evolving, you know, emerging evolving field and I I compliment you for and for Diane for seeing the vision of it, you know, to to get it started because you, we always have to start somewhere and let it evolve, right? You got to plant sure. the seed. Got to sure. plant that seed and let it grow. And um so uh I I think that you've offered some good information for people on what to look for and that this is something they can ask about. They can ask there, you know, is there someone who can help me? <laughs> you know, that right. is there and, someone and the out there? You know, today again, you know, Medicare has tied patient the patient experience to 
money to what hospitals are going to be paid through satisfaction surveys. So their hospitals need those people, again, to make sure that the patient is having a good experience. Nobody wants to be in the hospital, but at least if they get their tray and it's hot and they, you know, like the food that they're being given and or that they get a bath once a day, you know, if they, you know, just different basic things. Like if you went to a hotel, you would expect certain things. People should expect cer- certain things when they're in the hospital. And the patient advocate in the hospital makes sure that ensures that those things happen. And if they're not, they know who to address. They know who to call to find out why things aren't happening. Because, again, a patient should feel safe, secure, and have have the, have a good experience as best as they can while they're a patient. They should be safe and not afraid. Oh, that's 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 that hits the nail on the head. I mean, that's really what it's all about. So, I'm I'm you know I always ask my uh, guests before you go for one piece of sage advice. <laughs> sage advice. Yeah. What's your? And I think you actually just said it. That was so beautifully said. And thank you for that. But what would be one sage piece of advice about getting that advocate? Can you think? Is there um, something? One thing would just be that they're there if you need oh, them. Right. And, and don't be afraid. Like, again, if you went to, if you got had a court date that you had to go to court, you would not go into court by yourself. You would want a lawyer to be with you. So if you have a complicated or complex catastrophic type condition or you need assistance navigating this healthcare system, advocates are out there. And they're usually just a phone call away or a click away to to be able to help you. But you do need to make sure the person is qualified and can meet your needs. Great, Anne. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for your work on this. I mean, um, it, it, it takes a lot, and I'm I'm grateful you took the time. I think this show is going to be downloaded like crazy. Good. So. Um, Thank you again, and keep me updated on how it's going, and uh, we'll be in touch. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, and uh, thanks for the opportunity and and for spotlighting patient advocacy. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you, Ann. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, everyone. That was Ann Lula, Lula. Llewellyn, I hope I said that right, and that was a great show. Um, I just wanted to, you know, uh, there's a lot of, I just wanted to say there's a lot of controversy about the whole credentialing uh, and the whole stream of uh, patient advocacy, the the whole emerging field of it, and it's, and it has to be that way because it's new. It's only about really maybe eight years old, and it's new. Some of us started early on, like Ida was saying, we started our businesses early on, and it's new. And it has to evolve this way. It's going to have growing pains. It's going to have um, disagreements. Uh, It's going to have disagreements how, you know, this whole issue of credentialing, you know, it gets my blood boiling, and it gets I, obviously Ida's, and also I think Anne's too, because we all come from a different place, and that's the beauty of this um, 
this emerging field. But in a way, we have to make sure that create avenues for people who do want to help, you know, for those who are more specialized, who have more education, who understand. And patient advocacy is very important, as Anne had pointed out more than once, and as Ida pointed out, it does make a difference when someone really knows what they're talking about. Um, as a nurse practitioner, I have a lot of medical experience, so I understand, and what I don't know, I know where to look for. So people who are in the field, but can you really teach advocacy? That's always the question I ask. You can give, because advocacy is about, really, and Anne pointed this out, and, and I, I've talked to Ida about this, is about listening. It's about hearing what the problem is. It's about not being overly aggressive, like being real, like a, a bull in a china store, you know, uh, knocking over walls. you got to knock down those barriers, but you can do it in a very graceful, accepting way. And really it's about the patient. It's about what the consumer, the patient wants and what they want. So you have to know who you're dealing with. Sometimes what I want, you know, what I would want is definitely not what the patient wants. And that's something I had to learn early on because you can push and push and push and the patient says, I don't want to do that. No, you have to hear. You have to give the information. You have to say, here it is. You make the choice and I'll support you. You know, I'm there for you, you know. And um, it is important that there be some level of expertise, you know, and people have to look for that as advocates. So, um I think that it's, you know, it, it was a great segue. It was a great uh, segue to the conversation today. I'm grateful for the call-ins. I'm always grateful for the call-ins. Um, and I, I just want to say that in picking an advocate, it's it's somebody that you know that you can talk to. I mean, I spend a lot of time. It's like when I hired an architect. The reason I hired my architects is he spent a lot of time getting to know me. I spent a lot of time getting to know my clients. I mean, I I let I like talking. I think part of advocacy is support, supporting the people out there who really need it. And that's critical. That's critical to people because healthcare um crises can be so lonely. And it's so lonely, not just for the patient, but for the family. Everybody feels splintered and split and scared. And what you want to do, you come in and you you do some healing in that. You give people the information. You help them. So that's that's what a patient advocate advocate is. Their feet are on the ground. They're looking at all the issues. They're they're finding out information and they're helping people solve problems that need to be solved. I mean, hospitals and doctors. What happens is that they just forget sometimes that the patient doesn't understand them or doesn't know that they have options. And that's the issue. Everybody has options. You have options in care. I mean, in, in acute events, you know, critical events, well, you don't have, sometimes have options. You know, they have to do the surgery immediately to save your life. But that's different. Most of the time there are options. And you can actually slow processes down. And that's important for patients to know, and that's what an advocate does. It, it like Sometimes I feel like I'm sort of stopping time, slowing down time. Let's everybody slow down. Let's get the information and make the decision. So it's 
it's important to know, I'm going to go back to this, that this is an evolving field. And some of us have been doing it a while, and some of us know how it works, and it, we see the pitfalls, those of us who have been around. We see the pitfalls, and we want to make sure that, that the consumer gets the, the best that's available, the best situation, and that we evolve the field in a way that's graceful, that's professional, that's with dignity and integrity. So I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Um, I was going to talk about my mother, but this show kind of got me going, and so I'm really glad that I'm getting to just talk about advocates. I don't usually talk this much on the show, but I'm just really grateful that I got to talk about the, the changing role of the advocate and the emerging role of the advocate. And... Let me just say, as the uh, new Affordable Care Act comes into view and we start to see it, you know, very clearly, advocates are going to be so needed because it's not going to be easy for many people. It's not going to be easy for doctors, and, you know, we really will need a team, someone who can really help. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone who is listening today. I want to wish you a very wonderful evening. Thank you for listening. Um, we will be back on. Um, we definitely have a show scheduled on the 8th of August. Um, everybody take care. Remember to wear your sunscreen. Enjoy your summer. And everybody be well. And remember, you can find me on Twitter at HariK108. You can... Uh, Look at my website and blog at uh, healthcarewhisper.com, and you can give me a call at 866-980-4325. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and have a good night.